In this episode, we continue our study in the book of Genesis, looking at the fallout of Jacob stealing Esau's blessing and Jacob's dream at Bethel. So join me as we continue our walk through the Old Testament. Today's passage is in Genesis chapter 27, verse 41, to chapter 28, verse 22. Today's passage can be divided into four sections. The first section is Esau's desire to kill Jacob. The second is Jacob being sent away. The third section involves Esau marrying his third wife. And the fourth and final section, which is the most significant, is Jacob's dream at Bethel. So let me read Genesis chapter 27, beginning in verse 41. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? So the story here begins with Esau despising his brother Jacob for stealing the blessing. Esau plans to kill his brother, but only after the anticipated period of mourning after their father's death. Now, I want to remind you that Isaac does not actually die for another 43 years. And when Rebekah learns of the plan of Esau, she devises another strategy to protect Jacob. She tells Jacob that Esau, in fact, was consoling himself with the thought of killing him, and she instructs Jacob to flee to her brother Laban and stay there until Esau's anger had subsided. Rebecca thought that her older son's anger would quickly subside. She thought maybe it would take a few days, maybe a few weeks, and when it was safe again, she would send word for Jacob to come back home. She highlighted the possibility of losing both sons, and this possibility was real, because should Esau kill Jacob, a near kinsman would be obligated to kill Esau as punishment. Now, little did Rebekah realize that Jacob will not return for 20 years, and in those years, her brother Laban will trick and victimize Jacob. Well, let's continue our story, beginning in verse 46. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Padam Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. 
May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padam Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. We see here that for Jacob to travel to Haran honorably, Rebekah needed to persuade Isaac to send him there. So she complains to Isaac about how much sorrow Esau's Hittite wives had brought her, and she pointed out that her life would become unbearable should Jacob marry a Hittite woman himself. She hid her true intentions from by speaking of an issue that agitated both of them. And you recall in Genesis chapter 26, verse 34 to 35, how much grief Esau's two Hittite wives had brought to Isaac and Rebekah. And so Isaac is persuaded, and so he calls for Jacob to give further instruction and another blessing. So first, the instruction. The first instruction was not to marry a Canaanite woman. Isaac's second instruction was to go to Potomaran to the house of his maternal uncle. And his final instruction was to marry one of the daughters of his uncle. And we'll see that Jacob will obey his father on all three instructions. Now, let me make a clarification looking at the terms Canaanite and Hittite. Canaanite refers broadly to any inhabitant in Canaan. Hittite refers to the ethnicity. So, after he gives these instructions, Isaac pronounces another blessing on Jacob. And as I had explained in the last study, it is here that Isaac pronounced the Abrahamic covenantal blessing in the name of God Almighty, El Shaddai. And this parallels God's covenant to Abraham in Genesis 17. Again, the first part of the promise that you may possess the land that God had given Abraham. The second promise that God will make you fruitful, becoming a company of people. And the third part of the promise that he will give the blessing of Abraham, implying that final part where all nations will be blessed through his descendants. Isaac fully understood that it was God's will for Jacob to receive this patriarchal blessing, and he acts responsibly by blessing Jacob as this seed of promise. Now, I'm not going to read verses 6 through 9, but let me briefly summarize it. So Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Panamaran to take a wife. And he also heard that his father told him not to marry a Canaanite woman. As he realizes how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his parents, and his father especially, Esau marries Mahaloth, Ishmael's daughter. Esau was trying to gain his parents' approval by marrying a daughter of the unchosen line of Ishmael. And this again lacks sense, and it exposes Esau's unworthiness of being the heir of Abraham's blessing. Now, I do want to note here that in Genesis chapter 36, verse 3 to 4, it is stated that Esau marries Basimoth, the daughter of Ishmael. But Jewish tradition holds that these two names were referring to the same wife. 
Well, let's continue now to the most significant section of today's passage, beginning in chapter 28, verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. Five things take place in this final section. Jacob rests for the night. God speaks to Jacob. Jacob responds. Jacob names the place. And Jacob makes a vow. So look at, let's look at the first part. Jacob rests for the night. Because of Esau's threats, and in order to find a wife, Jacob leaves Bathsheba and sets out for Haran. Now, Haran is several hundred miles, several hundred kilometers away to the northeast. So this is a long journey by foot. And as the sun sets, Jacob picks a place to spend the night. And he takes one of the stones there and he puts it under his head. Now, I don't think he did this for comfort. He probably arranged the stones to provide protection for his head while he slept on the ground. This place possesses no special significance yet. Jacob did not expect anything to happen while he slept. The second part, God speaks to Jacob. During the night, Jacob had a dream, and he sees a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And above it stood God. And God here is addressed using the Hebrew word Yahweh. This is the God of his grandfather Abraham and the God of his father Isaac. Now, people in Jacob's time believed that 
the location where God may have appeared provided direct access to the heavenly realm. People would linger at these places, hoping to receive a special communication from the gods, often through a dream. Such places were commonly marked using a monument or shrine. But um, let's be clear here that this was a pagan belief. God chose this place to appear in a dream to Jacob, not because it possessed any intrinsic holiness, but simply because Jacob was there. And it is here in this dream that God gives Jacob and repeats the Abrahamic promises, reiterating all three parts. The first part, God gives Jacob the land in verse 13. The second, God gives Jacob numerous descendants, first half to verse 14. And the third and most important part, God promises that all families of the earth will be blessed by Jacob and his offspring second half of verse 14. God gives Jacob four additional promises that address his present predicament. First, God promises that he will be with Jacob, and this is in verse 15. And this is probably the greatest promise God can make to anyone, and it was especially meaningful to Jacob as he heads to Haran by himself. The second additional promise, God would watch over him, wherever he went. The third part of the promise, God would bring him back to this land. Now, Jacob had no idea that he was going to be away from Canaan for 20 years. And so as the years pass, as we'll soon see, this promise will definitely grow in importance. And the final additional promise, God asserts that he will not leave Jacob until he had completely fulfilled what he had promised. Now, this until clause seems to suggest that God might leave Jacob afterward, but this is more of an understatement, and it really just affirms to Jacob the certainty of God's presence in all circumstances throughout his life. Let's look at the third part of this final section where Jacob responds. So, when Jacob awakes from his sleep, he was in awe and yet terrified, fearful at being in God's presence. And he declares the site where he had slept as sacred, identifying it as the house of God above which was the gate of heaven. Now, I think that there were probably a myriad of emotions that Jacob must have felt that evening. He would have felt maybe still a sense of triumph at securing the blessing. He probably felt remorseful at deceiving his father, Isaac. He probably felt relief at being away from Esau. And he was probably scared with the long road to Haran and loneliness from being away from his parents and his mother in particular. So God being aware of Jacob's troubled heart, he knew that this was probably not the best time to condemn Jacob. And so out of compassion, God appears to Jacob in order to strengthen him for the hard years ahead, and Jacob recognizes this. The fourth part of this final section is where Jacob names the place. So Jacob takes the stone that he had placed uh, under his head as a pillow, and he sets it up as a pillar, marking the place where God had appeared. And he then pours oil on top of it 
consecrating the stone as the place where a person can meet God. And he calls this place Bethel. Formerly, it was a city called Luz. And God's appearance transforms this ordinary place into the extraordinary. Now, Bethel becomes an important site for Jacob when he returns here in Genesis chapter 35. And during the time of the judges, the Israelites are going to come here to worship Yahweh. And we see that in Judges chapter 20, verse 18. And even centuries later, Jeroboam I, who was king of the northern kingdom, Israel, made Bethel a place of idol worship. And we see that in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28 to 30. And finally, in this final section, we see Jacob making a vow. Now, in contrast to an oath, this vow was conditional. Jacob promises to do what is vowed only if God fulfills the condition specified. And Jacob specifies five conditions, five stipulations. Now, the first three God had already promised Jacob because Jacob is asking for divine presence, divine protection, and a safe return to his father's land. Now, in the midst of this, he does make two additional promises that deal with his immediate need. He asks God to provide him food and clothing. Now, it seems interesting to me that his request would be for these basic provisions, but I think it indicates how much uncertainty there was for Jacob about living in Haran. So if God fulfills these conditions, Jacob commits, he vows that he will himself commit to three standards. Yahweh was to be his God. The pillar that he set up would be the house of God where people could meet God. And of all that God would give him, he would give God one-tenth. And with this vow, Jacob committed himself to serve the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. Now, how does this passage fit into God's greater plan of redemption? Well, let me read to you John chapter 1, verse 47 to 51. Scripture reads, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In our study here in Genesis 28, we see that God came to Jacob in a dream of a ladder between earth and heaven. And in this dream, God promised Jacob the same thing that he promised Abraham, to bless all families of the earth through his offspring. And this blessing refers to salvation through Jesus Christ. But here in John chapter 1, Jesus lets us in on a secret. The ladder of Jacob's dream is the Son of Man, 
Jesus is the ladder of Jacob's dream. Jesus is the only way to cross from earth to heaven. Jesus made it possible for man to be forgiven and to go to heaven to live with God. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus states, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me.